Shopify presents Cool Sheets from Aha to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. guys welcome back to the coach steve show podcast today's guest sitting down with us is coach sabo i got it yeah see you got it man I, I was hyping myself up i was like don't don't screw it up um <laughs> you're currently the offensive line coach at burlington central right, right. yeah right. yeah uh, coach, Melvin, my... coach Melvin was on me for three years to come over and coach with him <laughs> before i finally did yeah guys if anybody out there is a fan of mine i had Coach Melvin on from head coach at Burlington Central in Illinois. I had Coach Yossi, offense coordinator. Now I've got Coach Sabo. I'm just making my rounds with the whole staff. Yeah, I, well, I'll, I'll throw more your way. You can talk to all of them. <laughs> I'll just have one big group one day. Let's get you all on and let's see what Dude, happens. That would be absolutely hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, like I, I've been, I've been part of some very, very good coaching staffs over over my. 11 year tenure you know i started at north central so obviously i that coaching staff like just the knowledge there was immense because it was coach john thorne coach jeff thorne rick ponks who's now over at uh the head coach over at plano um you know bill winky was there uh just so many so many people that were just brilliant minds on that staff and then i was at fenton for two years which had some really good coaches there um Plainfield East, I you know I coached under Mike Romelli, which was a blast. Uh, again, some some very smart individuals on that staff, and then I went over to Glenbar North for four years, and you know the guys there are just brilliant as well. Very 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 knowledgeable about what they do, and then just experts in what they do. I mean, Glenbar North just pounds the ball, and mm-hmm. when it comes to like power offenses, they're so smart. And then I went to, to Hampshire for two years, and you know that was really again another smart smart coaching staff but the the collection of coaches that we have at central it's just experts in their field like you know even i'm not calling myself an expert by any means because i have a lot to learn still but you know uh, you know our d-line coach is ben solomon we you know we got him over there from huntley and I, I hired him on at Fisk because, in my opinion, the guy is just one of the best coach best d-line coaches i've seen in my life and he's he he breaks things down and un- makes kids understand in a way that 
is easy for them. And then, you know, Melvin is just, he knows how to be head coach and he knows how to build a program, build a culture. Yossi's awesome. You know, I, I've known him since I was eight, so I kind of have to sing him praises, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, he, he really knows how to call a game and uh, you know, it's just uh, our, our D coordinator is a kid, kid by the name of Nick Scolari. And he, he was the, there's the East Aurora connection. So he coached at East Aurora with Ku coach and Melvin before Melvin came over. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the, the collection of guys that we have there is awesome. So the knowledge is there, but then they're all just funny dudes. Like they're all just hilarious. And, and we rip on each other constantly. Like that fun kind of ripping on each other where, mm-hmm. you know, y- you know that they're joking, but it toes the line. It's pretty fun. I, I love it there. So if you got us on, man, you'd be in for a trip. I'll tell you that much. It, it it's where that line is and you just put your big toe over it. It's like, all right, now we know when to stop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I I could do that and I I've been meaning to get uh the East Aurora staff I worked with last year, Dave Williams, Ku Coach, Bausch, and, Yeah. Willie B. I so Will Will was actually at Plainfield East when I was there in twenty eleven. And uh I, I can't remember can't remember if he was a, a teacher or teacher's assistant just like i was i can't quite remember but he was there i love will he's a good dude that whole staff is good dudes like i love everybody at that school yeah it was i was there for a year and it was hard to leave actually yeah very uh especially doing it one year and then Mm -hmm. uh then pazant talked to me he got that head job at addison and uh he's like i need a true o-line coach because he coached the o-line the year before or something Right, and he and he was like, "I've never done it before. I just helped out, and need an all. I need a run game coordinator, offensive line coach, blah 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 blah. They pay more, and this and that." And I was like, "I kind of have to take it." Yeah, that was the worst thing to tell Ku Coach was to leave. It, it yes. bothered. It took me like two or three days to make my mind up. I was like sick about it. Yeah, but he was very understanding though. Oh, for sure. I mean, you got to do, and and this is. This is one of the things that uh, it sucks in the coaching world because you build these relationships and you forge these relationships with the coaches. I mean, you know, uh, I was talking with my wife about this relatively, uh, relatively recently. And and we were just talking about how, you know, you build the relationships with the guys that you coach with to the point where when, when something does pop up, it's tough to leave. I mean, a couple last year last year maybe like right before the season started um i got two job offers first one was at over at judson uh judson college or university or whatever Mm -hmm. uh they wanted me to be the offensive line coach and jake lemming was you know he asked me to come out and coach with him and uh you know i was like ah let me let me consider it but before that it was um uh ron plans over at lake zurich Mm -hmm. wanted me me to come coach o-line and i mean the tradition that that's at Lake Zurich is just, I mean, I was like, man, like I really do have to consider this. So it was, it was, uh, and I told Melvin right off the bat, I'm like, Hey, I'm just letting you know that this is what like the, this is being offered. The, the Judson one was an easy no for me. It was, mm-hmm. we were already into camp and I'm, you know, I'm not about to ditch out on my players and ditch out on, on the guys at central and, you know, in the middle of camp and leave you high and dry without an old line coach. No, that's mm-hmm. not, that's not me. 
but that Lake Zurich one was before camp started. And I'm like, like that's tough. That's a real consideration, but it just, it made more sense for me to stay at central geographically. And, and, um, I, I, again, I couldn't leave that staff. The staff is just awesome there. So yeah, it's, I get what you mean, man. It's tough. Yeah. Cause I coached at Charleston for a while. Okay. Um, to put it nicely, I ran my course, and we'll just leave it at that. I ran my course there. The only one not born, the only one not born raised on the staff out of ten. So I kind of, yep. Yeah. Uh, coached a year at Lombard East. It was in 2018 when we went ten and one. I showed up at the right time, I guess. Yeah. Great staff. John Walters. No offense to anybody's one of the best head coaches I've been around. Wins and losses, people would say no, but like that doesn't describe him. Uh, but I was volunteering. Um, we lived in Elmhurst for a little bit, and then we moved to Naperville. And then that's when Coach and I talked, and it was like, East Aurora's closer. We have a paid spot, you know, and had to leave Glombard East, which was tough. They yeah, a good team coming back. It's a good team coming back. I love the coaching staff, but I was volunteering. Uh, it was kind of like, wait your turn. And Glombard East pays teachers a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. So those guys are not leaving. Right. At all. Yeah. So I, I knew, went to East Aurora, and just in one year, building that relationship with Ku Coach, Bausch, Williams, and mm-hmm. and all them, I didn't think I was leaving. And then Bazant comes along, <laughs> starts talking to me, and like offering this, offering that, and COVID hit. I had more time to think about it, and then it was just one of those things where like I don't want to leave. Made, you sit, made me sick, and I was like, well, I have to. Right. Uh, and, well, and it wasn't necessarily no offense, like leaving a big program for a bigger program. They're about the same. East Aurora is a bigger school. Right. But, but the levels of where the programs were rebuilding are about the same. Mm-hmm. But it was a bigger role. I was going to get paid more. Right. But yeah, COVID, COVID's still a thing. So we're still sitting here like <laughs> twiddling our thumbs. Twiddling our thumbs. And I won't say what I want to say about the governor, but that's it. Yeah, believe me, I get it. The only thing I'll say, and this isn't bad of me, I think we need a coach in charge of the state. I don't care volleyball, basketball, football. I don't care. A coach. Because we always tell our players to work together. We're going to get a common goal. And I just told the coach previously on this podcast, on a podcast just today, what do we coaches do in the offseason or when we don't know something? We reach out to people and figure it out. So right. we'd be calling Indiana and Ohio and this and that and be like, guys, like, what did you do? Teach me. Right. Well, that's, um, th- that's the thing that blows my mind about this whole situation. And I mean, shit, we could do an entire podcast on this. Excuse my language. We can do an entire podcast on this for an hour and a half. But the thing that gets me going about this whole thing is as far as we know, they haven't talked to Indiana. They haven't talked to Michigan. They haven't talked to wisconsin they haven't talked to iowa they haven't talked to minnesota and figured out why it is those states flipped and played in the fall yep and i i agree and i told people we're all amped up because of that and because it just doesn't look like they're trying if they were trying everything met once a week twice a week i don't think i'd be as mad right and that's all i'll say i'm not going to say like well, like we said before I recorded, but like that's just the things that bother me. Like, yeah, I think there's players. If players saw the coaches not meeting, not trying, what are they gonna do? Right, it's the same thing. 
Yeah, man. It's, but, it's uh, tough. That's a tough situation. But I'm an idiot. What do I know? <laughs> You're not an idiot. This is what I always say. I always tell people, I'm just the offensive line coach that's above my pay grade. Yeah, I always say I'm just an offensive line coach. Or or the or or the other one. So it's not just an offensive line coach. I'll go, I, I only coach the offensive line. Like <laughs> I put quotes around just. I, I, I realize that I don't think we're gonna be visual here, but I put quotes around just. So not yeah, just an offensive line coach. But uh we, yeah, it's it's crazy, man. Um I'll ask you this. I asked a coach before if there was like shortage of O-line coaches because of Pazant, and it's because he was like, I need a true O-line coach. We haven't had a guy that played O-line and actually coached O-line. And then I thought about it again. I was like, who coach kind of asked me the same thing? Like, and so I've asked coaches, like, not a shortage, but it's like, do people not want to do it? Because there's five positions you have to worry about. Right. Well, the thing about like, Coaching O-line, and, and for me, um, and obviously you have experience in the position as well, but like like you said, you have five positions to worry about. Like you think about quarterbacks, you have one position. Running backs, one position. Receivers, like, yeah, okay, I guess there's four positions for receiver. You have Z, Y, X, H, you know. Hey, everybody. As you know, the Coach Steve Show is brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network. And in case you've missed it, they've recently par- partnered with Fubu TV. Now, what is Fubu TV? Fubu TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more without the hassle of a cable contract. It is 2020. It's time to cut the cord. If you don't believe me, please click the link in the episode description or on the social media profile, and you can get a seven-day free trial. So please, again, go click on the link for FUBU TV in the episode description or in the social media profile. Get a seven-day free trial to support the Coach Steve Show podcast as well as the Unhinged Sports Network. Recently, the Coach Steve Show has joined with the Unhinged Sports Network. It's an off-the-ground sports network that has different podcasts and is playing 24-7. So it's a podcast radio type website. So every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, the Coach Steve Show will have a new episode out. And they have partnered with Fanatics.com. So what I need you guys to do is in the episode descriptions and on social media is click on the Fanatics link and go get yourself some fan gear. Any team that you want, they have the gear for. Shirts, polos, hats, pullovers that have zips, stocking stuffers, anything like that, anything. Any team you want, they have. So please just support the podcast and support the Unhinged Sports Network. Please click on the, please click on the link in the description. Please click on the link in the social media and go buy stuff. They have anywhere, anywhere. I've seen anywhere between 20, 30, 40, 50, 60% off all, all their apparel. So with sports coming back, please go get some apparel to support your team. So again, click on the link, go get yourself some gear, and thank you for all the support. Uh, Z-Y-X-H. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I had to count. I'm like, wait a minute. Am I missing <laughs> one here? But like, when you when you really think about it, with, with O-line, it's just so intricate at every different position. 
um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough and unfortunate enough. My sophomore year at North Central, uh, I got recruited to play there as a player, or as a center, Jesus. Oh, I hope it was a player. Yeah, well, <laughs> I coached my senior year. I, I, I had a knee injury, and then I messed up. Uh, I shattered my ankle and dislocated it and tore ligaments and all that. Um, and I coached my senior year. Um, they had asked me to coach in my player personnel meeting before that, before I shattered it. And I'm like, ah, give me a couple weeks to think about it. Shattered the ankle. I'm like, okay, I'll coach. But uh, th- so they recruited me as a center and I went there as a center and I played center my entire freshman year. Um, and then we get to spring ball and they had me work repping center and guard. And I'm like, cool. That's awesome. Like I can play all three, not a big deal. And we were going over to play um, Italy's like national champs. It was a hybrid team. So it was like Italy's national champs called champs called the Trieste Mustangs. And then, uh, there were 25, they call them transplants. Uh, so there were American football players from America that were on the, the air force base. So there are 25 of those dudes. And then the, the Italian players. So we're going over there and we were able to get 10 fully padded practices in the spring because we were taking this trip. And Coach Ponce was my offensive line coach. Like I said, he's over at Plano now. But Ponce comes up to me in the locker room as I'm getting ready. And he goes, Sabo, how much tackle do you know? I was like, um, I, I, I could tell you everything. Like, I could tell you every single responsibility. And he goes, you know the footwork? I was like, I don't know. And he goes, all right, well, meet me out, meet me out on the practice field 15 minutes before the scrimmage. Because the last practice we had was a full-on, like, scrimmage, like full-go scrimmage before we were going over to, to Italy. I'm like, okay. So I went out there and, you know, we went over everything and he watched me go through all the footwork and he goes, cool, you're going to play tackle today. I was like, <laughs> okay. So I line up a tackle for, for my first rep and it's against our, our stud all American named Ben Hare who held on to the sack record there. He might still have it. I'm not 100% positive on that, but he held on to the sack record for years. And, uh, I mean, North central, obviously they've had stud defenses over the last, you know, decade and a half Mm -hmm. so uh that was a bad first rep for me it was (laughs) uh but i you know i played so i played center guard and tackle all sophomore year my first reps came first actual varsity reps came against wesleyan and i'll never forget this because um i went in there we were we were up by a good amount but they they still had um some of our starting skill guys in there including our quarterback and I'm playing left tackle against this dude. He was an all-conference player. I can't remember his name, but he was a stud. He was like 6'3", 250, lightning off the line, like watching film on this guy. I'm like, oh, man, like this this dude's legit. So first rep, I get in his way. He swims me because I'm all I'm 5'11". Like, I shouldn't be playing tackle. I've got no length, man. I'm a short, dumpy kid. Throw me a guard or center where I could be a little bit more of a mauler, you know? And – uh Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cam Cam Kinnis barely gets rid of the ball, and he gets smoked by this DN on his blind side. I mean, it was pretty much a lookout block. I got in the guy's way for a second. I, I shouldn't have just turned around and yelled, look out. <laughs> um, so call the, we pick up like six or seven yards, get the first down, call another pass play, break the huddle. I, it, it was a little bit better this time, but Coach Thorne, Coach Jeff Thorne calls a timeout. We go over to the sideline. He goes, Sabo, get that deer in the headlight. Look out of your eyes. And I was like, yeah, Coach. And then he, he, he just stared at me square in the face. He's like, move over to right tackle. Delancey, go to left. So I ended up playing right tackle. I switched from left to right mid-game, which, like, Delancey was a much better tackle. The kid the kid named Josh Delancey, he was a, uh, he ended up being a three-time All-American at North Central on the O-line. So it was it was nice. You know, like, they kind of mm-hmm. alleviated some of that pressure. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just it, – like I said, I had the fortunate experience of doing that because now I have experience playing all five positions at – I mean, I'm not going to say I played at an elite level, but, uh, you know, it was at, it was at the NCAA level. So I had, you know, I, I learned all the various techniques and things like that. So that's, I mean, realistically, I think you're right because it is, you're worried about five different positions with three different techniques. You know, tackles got different technique than guard has different technique than center. When you think about it, center and guard. Yeah. Okay. They have similar body types and some like similar movement patterns, but they're still, variations of everything that are uh, adjustable between the positions. So, yeah, I, I think that's part of it. Um, I think the other part of it is, uh, you know, as you know, to be a good old line coach, you have to be super detailed and super in-depth, and you have to look at everything that a player does and figure out exactly what is causing that player the miscues that they may have. So, like, for me, it goes – it goes as deep as the stance. Hey, your stance was like this, and that's why you were slow getting to your spot. Um, you know, I, one of my clients, um, he played uh, He played at, for a team in Conference USA. Um, I don't want to call him out or anything like that, so I'm not going to, but I, I watched his first game, um, which was against a, a, faster, a faster defensive line than he's normally used to. And I told him uh, after reviewing some of the film, I was like, "Hey, your stance, you're too low in it. You need to you need to get a little bit higher in your stance." Which, I mean, realistically, is kind of counterintuitive from everything that we were ever taught as players. Um, but I told him, "Like, you need to be at like a half squat to a three quarter squat." I said, "You're laboring out of your stance every single time." And uh, he switched it up, and um, the next week. You know, he, he was much faster off the ball. Uh, he ended up getting uh, a PFF. Uh, he was the top left guard for pro football focus for, I think it was week three this year. Um, but, I mean, that's that's as deep as I, I'll get into it. I'll be like, hey, you're laboring out of your stance because you're, you're sitting too low in it. You can get your butt mm-hmm. up a little bit. Like, so I, I think you're right. I think it's just, you know, it's time-consuming for people. And people, like – and that's not to say that it's not that way for other coaches too. I mean, 
I, I've heard I've heard receiver coaches like tell the kid, hey, like you missed that break on the you know you missed that break on your route because you didn't break down soon enough. And and but I think the 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 fact that you're coaching five different positions scares people off. And you have to have that special language. There's a right. certain language, and not everybody can speak that language. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I, I mean, the biggest thing about O-line, and, and I'm starting to – I started to realize this probably in 2015. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very big believer in OLP. I love offensive line performance, and I love everything that they do um, when it comes to cueing kids and, and athletes on how to move. Um, everything they do is based in biomechanics and science. And like when, it, when you look at in, in psychology too, like, so one of the things that I, I tell my guys now, I never cue, get your head across ever. I haven't done it in three years because when you tell a kid, Hey, don't do this. What's their thought? Don't do this. So if I tell a kid, don't, you know, if I tell a kid, Hey, uh, you need to get your head across while well, they're going to lead with their head. Mm-hmm. If I tell a kid, Hey, don't fall step. They're going to be so worried about not fall stepping that they fall step. So you're absolutely right. There's a lot of language that comes into it where, you know, when, when you're, when you're cueing a kid, instead of saying, Hey, like you need to take a step to your right. I say, you need to drive off your left in the direction you want to go. So if I have a kid that's pulling, I'm like, hey, drive off that left leg and pull into the line as opposed to saying, well, you need to step with your right. One of the reasons that I, I really started to use their verbiage about everything and I found this out is if, you know, if I tell a kid to take a step, they're going to take a step. But if I tell a kid to drive, they're going to put force through the ground and they're going to get their body moving. So, um, you know, even in, in our training sessions, I, I very, very rarely do I use set hit. I cue them to move with the word drive every single time, whether, you know, we're in our stance, whether we're going through our our progression where we're working the initial drive off of our knee. Every time that we do a rep, it's drive because I want that ingrained in their head. Hey, I need to drive off of that leg as opposed to step with my right. And I've seen a lot of improvement out of it. Um, You know, some of the kids I've trained uh, have had some pretty old school coaches. and, And I always tell the kids like, I will never, ever, 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 ever say that your coach is wrong because he's not. There's more than one way to skin a cat. What I will say is I'm going to teach you the tools that I use that I've seen improvements with my kids. I said, if your coach wants it done this way, that's the way we're going to do it. I know Yo said that earlier uh, in the podcast because I, mm-hmm. you, said that you guys kind of got into our training a little bit, which is awesome. Um, but he's absolutely right. Like, we will teach you. Ex- if your coach says, hey, this is the way I want it done, that's the way I'm going to teach it. Um, I work with a lot of kids from Bartlett High School. Mm-hmm. And Coach Hubbard, I love Coach Hubbard. Coach Hubbard and I have one very glaring difference um, in, in our coaching. And that is when he teaches a pass set, he likes to have a slight lean to the opposite direction of his pass set. So if his right tackle is setting to his right, the upper body has a slight tilt to the inside. That's the really the only difference, Right. I teach his kids that lean when, when I'm, when I'm going through training sessions of the Bartlett athletes that work with me, I'll tell them, Hey, you didn't have the tilt. You need to have the tilt. 
And I'll explain my way. I'll say, hey, like, this is why I think balance is better. But coach wants you to have that tilt and his way is not incorrect. So we're going to do it that way. So when you're here, you're doing it both ways. I'm teaching you both ways because I and, and one of the biggest things is, you know, you got to have more tools for the toolbox. Mm-hmm. The more tools you have for the toolbox, the better, you know, the better success you're going to see no matter what. So why not teach both ways? Um, you know, when I'm at Central, I teach it my way and that's fine. But I always tell kids, I'm like, hey, we're going to we're going to do it the way your coach wants it. But if there's something that's super inefficient, I'll say, all right, hey, like, because I, I always tell kids, <laughs> I, I say we are not fleet of foot. So we're not, we're big dudes that like to maul people said, so we have to be efficient in our movement. So if something is inefficient, I always say there's more than one way to skin a cat, but would you rather skin a cat with a butter knife or a butcher knife? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way I go about it. And, and it's really helped some of the kids that I work with where, you know, they see a massive improvement in how quickly they're able to take their set or how quickly they're able to get up to a linebacker because of those cues and because of, um, uh, because of the, the movement patterns that are being instilled. It's just, it, it, you know, for me, it's just about, uh, cueing those guys and using that special language. Like you said, um, I just had the defensive line coach from Langley community college of the last chance you the other night. And he said, kind of said the same thing, uh, he goes, you know how when you coach linemen or any position, you say react. Like when they do this, you react. Mm-hmm. He said he talked to a, one of their sports psychologists, and they said, no, you have to say respond. The mind understands better when you say respond, and they'll do what you're trying to say. Right. So he said over the years, he stopped saying react. Or like when you get your hands on a guy as a defensive lineman, you extend your hands, and then you react. He said, no, if they do this, you respond. And he said, ever since he started to say that, the, the, it's, they, their brain kicks it in. Right. And he goes, you never yeah. would think of that. Because uh, he like, he's like, in my mind, react and respond are the same. It means the same thing. He's like, but the psychologist, like the brain reacts better when you say the word respond. Right. It's almost like a more positive word. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's a big thing, you know, positivity. And, and that kind of goes back to the sports psychology of saying like, Hey, get your head across. Well, the kid's going to get his head across and he's going to lead with his head because that's what his mind is thinking. Whereas for me, what I say is set your, set your angle and your aiming point with your hands are play side number and via the neck. Or for a down block, your aiming point is via the neck and backside armpit. That's your aiming point with your hands. I like, I never put the head in our cues and, um, I've had a couple of kids ask me why, and I explain it to them. And they're like, oh, holy crap, like that's actually really smart because they didn't realize that they were doing the exact same motion, but they were keeping their head out of it. They were taking the exact same angle on their down blocks. They were taking the exact same angle on their reach blocks, but they never put two and two together. Right. I'm guilty as anybody saying head across, but I do both. I'm very strange. If I get mad enough, I say head across. But if I'm calm, I say numbers. It's very right. strange. It's very strange. When we get angry, we revert back to what we know, you know, and, and that's a big thing. I, I was the same. I was am. I am the same way. You know, I, I'll if I get angry with the kid, I'm like, uh, you know, I'll say bury your face in his chest. I don't want them to bury their face mm-hmm. in his chest. 
I want them to keep a nice, decent separation and be able to withstand that pressure to pressure situation, that block and, and absorb that and, and be ready to explode out. But, you know, if, if I get angry enough, I'm like, oh man. And I shouldn't say angry, frustrated. If I get frustrated yeah. enough, I'll revert back to what I know or what I was taught. And, and you know, that's something that I've really been trying to work on is, is not, uh, not reverting back to that old verbiage. Yeah. Cause when I was in high school, we, we ran the power eye option. Mm -hmm. So that's what you did when you down blocked, it was ear hole into his chest or get your head into him. Yep. And I, then I coached in it. And then when I started coaching, guess what verbiage I said, I would say this. Right. And then as I coached more, well, then I coached quarterbacks for a year. So I took the verbiage out. Uh, I realized how boring that was to coach <laughs> quarterbacks. It wasn't yeah. boring, but it wasn't hitting. Right. It was fun at first. I was the OC. We already, we had a guy that could coach O-line. I was, and we didn't have a quarterback coach. I was like, I'll do it. Yeah. It's fun at first. Then after a while, it was like, oh, you're throwing the ball again? That's cool. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah. I, I, guess, I guess, you know, for me, like, and, and I, I've said this forever. You know, people are like, well, do you ever want to be an OC? Do you ever want to be a head coach? I'm like, hell no. Just give me my five guys. Give me my O-line. And I'm going to continue to do what I do. Like, I, I know the box let me coach that. Like, I don't want to coach anything else. And, um, realistically, like it's for me, like I'll do some of the most mundane stuff, but it's that attention to detail. And I try and instill that to the kids. I'm like, Hey, what happened here? Oh, coach. Like I took my set, but my left foot didn't travel as far as my right. It's like, bingo, you're starting to get it now. And it's like, it's so mundane for me, but it's like, I'm a nerd. So <laughs> like, like legitimately, like I, I'm an O-line nerd. It's kind of funny because um, a small tangent about it. My brother and I are in a, a group chat with one of our friends from college and um, he's, he never played football or anything like that, but he's very into it. And uh, because he's never played, he has some, some questions about like, he's like, Hey, how much does scheme matter when it comes to offensive line play? How, how much does this matter? How much does that matter? And uh, I said, I said, football, especially offensive line plays the perfect blend of biomechanics, anatomy and physiology and geometry that you can possibly have. Because you have to know angles, you have to know biomechanics, and you have to know anatomy and physiology in order to be a great offensive lineman. Now, I'm not saying you need to know like the names of all 206 bones of the body and every muscle that you use. But if I say, Hey, you need to engage your adductors. You're going to, you're going to know what that is. And I tell that to my kids in, at, at central, I tell that to my kids at training sessions. I'll say, you guys are going to learn physics. Oh, that's another one. Physics, physics, biomechanics, anatomy, physiology, geometry. So you're going to learn some physics. You're gonna, and I never took physics. So it's like rudimentary physics. It's like, it's like Murphy's, you know, third law or whatever. Mm. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Here at the Coach Steve Show podcast, we're very excited for our new sponsor for the show, the Launchpad Kickoff Tee. Pretty exciting that they wanted to sponsor the podcast and very um, excited for the opportunity to be sponsored by them. Um, the Launchpad Kickoff Tee is a very unique 
kickoff tee. It's, there's nothing like it. It is created so that way you can place the football however you want it. You want it to stand up higher. It can stand up higher. If you want it you know, to make it down lower to make the football be kicked off and go farther, it can do that. You want to place it to the side. You want it to stand straight up however you want. You could put it upside down if that's a thing. However you want, the launch pad kickoff tee can let you do that. So if you're a coach and you have a younger guy or a developing kicker who is not reaching the end zone at all times, this is the perfect kickoff tee for you. The reason is that it gives a coach a strategic options on squibs and onside kicks that were never available before. This kickoff tee is legal for the NCAA use and for all high schools at the National Federation High School Association. The Launchpad kickoff tee, it is a game changer, guys. Having one here is a complete game changer. Check out the videos that they've posted. It's, it's amazing stuff to see what the kickers can do once they get this and get the kicking down and use this tee. So for now, what I need you to do, if you're interested in looking at it and going to buy one, please go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS. And when you buy the one T, use the code CSS to get 10% off. But also there are other options using the same link. If you want to buy two, you can get 25% off. If you think you need more and want to go buy the four pack option, you can buy three and get one of them for free. So go to launchpadkickofftee.com slash CSS and use the code CSS and go get this game-changing kickoff tee for all you kickers and you coaches today. Okay, well, what's your action? Well, I'm driving into the ground. What's the ground's reaction? Uh, The ground is pushing back against your foot, according to Murphy's Third Law. And they're like, so that's why I move? I'm like, yes. Now you're getting it. But like, so I was telling, I, I, back to that conversation, I said that and he shared that, that Homer Simpson gif when he's in the car and he pops his head out and he goes, nerd. <laughs> he shared that in the chat. And I told him, I'm like, yeah, I said, I, I'm 100% a nerd and that's my attention to detail. So and that's, I, I said, I, I'm going to toot my own horn here. That's why I'm good at what I do. And uh, he kind of, like gave a laughy face and my brother joined in and he goes, no, that he's not lying. That's exactly why he's good at what he does is because that, that attention to detail. So yeah, no, it's uh, now you got me on like so many different tangents. <laughs> oh man. You, you talk about I... rabbit holes, man. We'll, I'll go down some old line rabbit holes for sure. All because I brought up quarterback coaching. Then yeah, we just right? down. And how, I... and how it's kind of like, all right, you're throwing the ball again. Well now, for some people, they'll, they'll sit down, they'll come to the to a session to try and like, you know, just see what I do. And uh, I had a, a buddy of mine show up and he was like, he coaches line. And uh, he was like, this is, this is fun to you? Because it's literally like, I worked with the kid on, for an hour, it was stance, initial drive. That's it. And I had a blast. I was laughing. I was, you know, joking with the kid and the kid was having a good time too, but he like he was like, wow, dude! Like you really get into the basics of it. I said, and I love this quote: "You can't shoot a cannon from a canoe." I said so. Your stance, your stance, and building that stance and having that solid foundation is your canoe, or is is your base. And if you don't have a good base, you can't shoot a cannon from that. So that movement is shooting a can cannon. So if you have a narrow base or a crappy stance, and you try and, and shoot a cannonball from it. It's not going to work. It's like, oh, man, it's brilliant. So, yeah, I like that. You can't shoot a cannon from a canoe. Keep that base 
wide and athletic. But, but I try to bring the mechanics when I was coaching quarterbacks. There's a lot of knees, ankles, and hip movement. Throw the ball mm-hmm. right. I had a sophomore that was his second year playing quarterback ever, and I quickly realized I was like, oh, I only have two or three kids. Yeah. And once they figured out the mechanics, I was like, what do we do now? Because <laughs> like warm ups, you're throwing the ball, you're doing some drills, you're throwing the ball, you're moving. Right. Uh, and I got crazy. I got the bags out in a circle. We run a circle holding the ball up, and I'd smack it with a thing. And I'm like, we're not running backs, coach. And I was like, nope, we're going to make this fun. You're going to hold on to the ball. <laughs> I got the arm things, and I'm punching them. And then I looked out the old lot. I think that was the thing. I was, I'm so used to watching five, and I was right. watching one. And then in a game, because I was the OC, quarterback would come off, and I'm trying to talk to him like an offensive lineman coach. And I'm like, oh, oh. yeah, you're not, I'm not the quarterback whisperer. I was like, no, we can't do that. Well, it's it's funny because, you know, me being a line coach, um, I've been – so this is going to be – this is my fifth year with the OC, right? And uh, with him being the OC, he was the OC at Hampshire when I got there. And there were some other offensive minds on that staff where he didn't have to rely on me as much to ask about coverages and, and crap like that. So we get to Central. And he's like, Sable, what coverage are they in? Like, I don't know, man, they're in a 3-4. he goes, no, like, I need to know coverage. Are they quarter, quarter, half? What are they? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I know, <laughs> I know down linemen, linebackers. And, and it'd be like, hey, it's, you know, it's third, it's third and three. Uh, and they're in cover four. What, you know, what play should I call? GT. Like, <laughs> power. I, I'm calling run plays. And I, you know, I know he brought this up, but it, it I'll never forget this. So there was a, there was a hog football chat um, like last year, two years ago, probably two years ago. And uh, the, it said like, the question was like, it's, it's third and seven. What player are you calling? And I put GT and I, I put, I'm also not joking. And I tagged coach Yost and I was like, ask Yost, like I'm dead serious. And he goes, Oh yeah, he's dead serious. I, I we, we called GT on third and long a ton last year and it worked <laughs> i mean it, it granted we had a, a freaking hoss at left tackle the kid was a monster six five two seventy five ripped with abs i'm like i'm Can sure you be aligned with that abs dude it's nuts man the, the the just the the distinction from like those elite play, those good players to those elite players. Like, not saying that elite players have to have abs, right? But you just knew that this kid worked his tail off constantly. Um, and he was like two. He, he gained weight during the season. He went. For, he was at like two sixty five in June. The season started. I want to say he was at like two sixty eight, and then by the time the season ended, he was up to like two seventy five, just because he worked his tail off, like. Absolute monster. He, he uh, he's over at Western right now. Uh, they kicked him down inside the guard, um, but I want to say he's second string as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Kids, like I said, he's a monster. But he was he he was my left tackle, and I asked where he was getting recruited. I said, "Where are they recruiting?" He said, "Tackle." I said, "Perfect. I'll keep you there then." Because I was think I I looked at our head coach. I looked at Melvin. I was like, "I'm gonna put him down inside a guard." He goes, "Why?" So that's that's where he's gonna play at the next level. And he goes, "He's being recruited as a tackle." I was like, "Oh, okay." So I kept him at tackle, but we ran behind him all the time. It was, all right, GT right, let's go. And our running back would just get right on this hip. And as soon as he got on that Sam linebacker, bang, 
our running back was gone for like <laughs> 10 yards. So we, we, I, we averaged, Yost was a little bit off. It, I, I listened to the podcast and I was like, oh, it, he, I think he said we averaged like seven yards. We were at 6.3 yards per carry. And I, the only reason I remember this is because I was blown away. We were at 6.3 yards per carry when we were in GT right. We were at 6.1 yards per carry when we were in GT left. Like, that's pretty that's, – that's yeah. solid, man. We ran that play – I think we called it 721 times. Jesus. Oh, yeah. It was literally, like, every time play. Wow. He just rounded it up. However many. Like, we just, it was, we just wrote it out, man. Like, here's what we're going to do to stop us. Our biggest program win came against Jacobs. And Jacobs is – you know, they, they had a really solid team. Uh, they, they beat Huntley like 14-7 last year. Um, so and that, that blew our minds. We are like, oh, man, Jacobs is the real deal. So we lined up against Jacobs. And uh, the, the opening drive of the second half, we literally just went GT right, GT left, GT right, GT left, GT right. And we're like, stop it. Like, until you stop it, we're going to keep running it. And we threw the ball a couple of times when we got into a third long situation. And then it was GT right, GT left, GT right, <laughs> GT left. Um, and then we threw a couple of power reads in there too, just, you know, just for the fun of it. But um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, a, it was, it was a fun night for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that was my, that was my offensive coordinator. Uh, my offensive coordinator experience was, Hey, it's third long, which we call Yeah. He called GT do that. <laughs> I, the last game of the year, last year, he had me signal plays. And I was so concerned about what the offensive line was doing that I forgot what plays I was signaling. <laughs> so, like, we were like we were in a, a two-minute drill or something like that. I forget. We were playing Cary Grove. But we tried to go, like, a little bit faster paced. And it was – I was trying to signal plays and watch the O-line. And it just – ugh, it drove me nuts. I did not like it. So, thank God we have an actual quarterback coach this year that knows coverages and he knows passing plays and things like that. I'll, I'll, I'll draw up your pass pro with my eyes closed. I don't know. I don't know coverage beaters. He still yells at me. He's like, you've been with me for five years and you still don't know our passing plays. Nope. I don't know our route combos. I know a couple. I don't need to know route combos. I just need to know. I just need to know protection. Tell me three-step drop, five-step drop. What are we calling? I know where the one tech is, the four tech, the Sam and the Mike. I know where all that. I know everything there. It's all we need, man. That's all we need. But it's been it, it's fun. It's fun coaching with him. And then you know, obviously, he's, you know, he's doing more with more with fist, which is awesome too. So it's it's fun because we'll get together on on Sundays, and it you know, Yost has always been an O line guy. Like I mean, we so we grew we grew up together. We we met when we were eight years old. We played on the same little league baseball team. My first year playing tackle football, we were on the same team. We were nine years old, and we played from nine years old all the way through college together. Um, you know, that I told you, I've known him since I was eight. We've been best friends since we were 10. So we're going on 23 years of, you know, hanging out all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fun because, like, we, we kind of feed off of each other at lessons. And, uh, and he'll be like, hey, like, what do you see here? Or, hey, you know, I noticed that he was doing this. Like, make sure you keep an eye on that. It's, it's kind of nice because uh, – you know, it just it brings a little bit of a different aspect to it, which is which is huge. Um, and then obviously, you know, we have Ben working D line over on the opposite side of the building, and and he's just absolutely crushing it. Um, they, we were on uh, Coach Christie's podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Yos and I were uh, like a 
month ago or something like that. And one of the uh, one of the terms that we described that we described Ben with, we said Coach Solomon was a wizard <laughs> when it came to D line <laughs> training. And it, it's true, man. He he comes up with some crazy stuff that like everything translates to the field that he does. And that's that's another thing that we do. Like I'm not. How, how do I want to word this to where I don't piss off the entire like speed ladder community? I don't like speed ladders for the offensive line. I used to use them all the time. And I started, I, I, I would see it show up in not only skill acquisition, but drills and games to where kids were mimicking the, the movements that they had in a speed ladder. And I started to kind of do some research. And what it showed me was that speed Speed and quickness comes from repetitive movements. So when you repeat a movement, you become more confident in it and you're more explosive through that movement. I'm like, oh man, that really makes a lot of sense. But it also makes sense as to why I was seeing those movements show up in my athletes because they were so used to repeating those speed ladder movements that their body mm-hmm. just kind of went to it like second nature. I'm like, oh man, that that makes a lot of sense. Um so, like, even with speed ladders, Coach Solomon has found a way to make it translate to the field. I I used to use them in training sessions all the time. I would like, I'd be like, all right, like, I, I for my long snappers, I would call it the gauntlet. And uh, I, I really don't. I, I train long snappers every once in a while now, but not as much. And uh, but the gauntlet was they would snap, they would run fifteen yards, they'd go through the speed ladder, and then they'd run another twenty five. And it was like simulating getting downfield. And then I'm like, why am I like, after I started to think about it, I'm like, why am I putting the speed ladder in the middle? They're never going to, they're never going to do the speed ladder in the middle of the field. Like there's mm-hmm. no reason. Um, so yeah, like I said, I, I tried to formulate it for, to, to not piss off the speed ladder community. Uh, you know, I don't know if you follow uh, Tom Blazer at all on, on Twitter, mm-hmm. but he's, he's gotten them riled up a few times about that. It's been uh, it's been kind of fun to watch. But when he gets when he gets people going, he gets people going, and it cracks me up. But yeah, the speed ladder, you know, speed ladders for me, they never make an appearance when I train, just because everything we do is you know translates to the field. Every movement we do, there's nothing for us. There's no wasted movement, so it's it's imperative that we that we teach that. So, you know, with speed ladders, there's a ton of wasted movement. Like, why would a kid get his feet, you know, two inches? from each other inside a 12 by 12 box mm-hmm. so sense to me. So not again, they have their place, you know, they, they can definitely help with coordination and things like that. But when it comes to O-line specific training, I, I will never use them again. It's more like a conditioning thing. I think. Yeah, I can see that. Like as a team, then when you're a specific, yeah. like in the summer when you're trying to do body weight stuff, Right. That's what we did. We used it for that. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. Um, no, I won't get into the blazer conversations because I'll just get my butt whipped. I'm like, I don't know enough to compete, so I stay out of it. I just read it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Blaze is a uh, he's a very driven person, and he's very knowledgeable. So, like, you know, obviously, I talk about OLP a lot, but um, he he knows those dudes he's been to uh, three or four of their seminars. So he gets, you know, he gets very in depth with it, which is awesome. And I'm pretty sure he's OLP certified, but he, um, 
and and I am too, but like he's so driven that he's like he's reading three, four books, five books uh, every six months about you know anatomy and physiology, strength training, you know, uh, uh, movement patterns. Like he gets very, very in depth with it, and that's why you know I, I've had a couple of kids uh, from California that have followed me or reached out to me or whatever, and and you know, with Greg Holcomb is, is a quarterback trainer for next level athletics. And I love Greg. Um, you know, we, we largely attribute a lot of our successes to Greg because he, in 2014, he reached out to me and he was like, Hey, do you want to do group training? And Yost, Yost, uh, at that point, you know, his son was very young. So he, Yost really wasn't doing too much, um, training or anything like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I, you know, I'd show up to trainings and there'd be nobody there for alignment. I'm like, Oh man, this sucks. Anyways. So, uh, you know, fast forward, Greg's really grown his brand and he started this rise and fire, uh, rise and fire camp and everything like that. And we started out in Chicago and he did a couple, like he did one in Florida. He did one in LA. He did one in Dallas and, uh, the one in LA, uh, he, well, Chicago, we started to invite linemen and had fist run it. And uh, then he was like, hey, let's go out to L.A. And I called up Blazer and Murph, and I was like, dudes, we're going to be in L.A. Do you want to run this camp? And the, I was like, I, I can't pay you guys. Like, we're not – I'm not getting paid. Um, but for me, it's a it's a paid trip because Greg covered our hotel. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I'm going to stay in the hotel, and, and I'm, I'm going to coach a line out there. And, uh, you know, they came out, they helped out and I, I've had kids. I'm like, these are the guys that you want to work with. If you're out here, like they're second to none, man. They're very, very knowledgeable about what they do. Um, you know, and Murph, Murph has the, the playing experience that those kids look up to because, yeah, you know, it's tough. It, once kids realize, you know what you're talking about, it's a lot easier to reach them. But I, I've had kids that, uh, their parents were like, uh, where'd you play? said north central they're like oh that's a d3 school isn't it I'm like yeah they're like yeah no we're looking for a, a d1 mm-hmm. a d1 football player i'm like really like why oh well, they know the game come on it, knowledge doesn't knowledge knowledge about technique doesn't stop just because i didn't play d1 you know what i yep. mean so anyway but murph has that 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 D1 aspect that they look for because he was at ASU and he was an All-American and but but he is so grounded about that that he doesn't flaunt it number one but number two he just does everything that he can to to push you know the athletes that they work with into proper biomechanical movement it's awesome to watch those dudes work a lot of like our hip mobility stuff we were out there last year and Murph and Blaze started to do some hip and ankle mobility stuff to start out the camp and Yost and I looked at each other like, like, holy crap, that's brilliant stuff that we all could do. Um, so I, we, we do a lot of hip and ankle mobility stuff after seeing them do it. It's been fun. It's, it was, it was a, that was a trip, man. I, I love wa- watching those dudes work and at the camp, there are times where, you know, I was coaching D line and I'd turn and I'd look over at Blaze and Murph and I just watch them work. And, um, you know, that was kind of it like uh, yos would have to call me back and be like hey we're over here with the d-line I'm like oh yeah that's right <laughs> but yeah it's it's uh there's some knowledgeable dudes it's I, I totally understand getting into some of those discussions there are times where i look at it and i'm like that like i'll see i'll see someone disagree with with, with blaze and i'm like hey, 
And then I look and like, he's got a four tweet response to it. And I'm like, he said everything I was going to say. So I'm just going to leave it. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I can't tell if he's joking with the guy or being serious. And I'm like, most of the time he's serious. Yeah. And then I'm like, he, I'm just staying out of it. And then I see coach Schiffman <laughs> pop in a little bit to yeah. stir the pot. And I'm like, Oh, oh I, I love Schiff Cause he stirs the pot on so much. And he like, he just, oh man, he's, he's fun. He's fun to follow. He's a good follow too. But uh, yeah, it, it's crazy how, like, I mean, you and I, we started talking on Twitter and it, it's, it blows my mind how ingrained in the Twitter verse coaches are. For good or bad. I, I always ask people like you see the, I'm an offensive guy. So you see the wing T versus spread oh, and all that God. discussion. And I tell people like, Social media is great if it's mm-hmm. the right reasons. So, right. like, the podcast stuff, like this stuff, perfect. Learning mm-hmm. the offensive line stuff, perfect. I, yep. I steal drills. I see plays. I oh, see God, this. Yeah. But then I see, oh, spread or soft, or, like, I'm not going to say the coach's name on Twitter. He shows, like, a GIF or something making fun of wide receivers blocking in the air raid offense or the spread offense and, like, makes fun yep. of them. And I so want to respond and be like, or like they call Washington State soft or Mississippi State soft. I'm like, right. you don't play division. No offense to any division, but you don't go play at Mississippi State if you're soft. Right. That's the stuff that bothers me. Yeah, no, I agree with that wholeheartedly. You don't. You're not a division one football player if you're soft, for sure. Or any. Any division, really. Yeah, like any division. I, I, I always tell kids and I tell parents, like, when it, when it comes down to it, there are roughly 1 million high school football players. Roughly. 60,000 high school football players will move on to play college at any level. So that's 6% that play college at any level. So I always tell kids, I'm like, if you're going to play college football, you're a dude. Like, I don't care what people say. You're a dude. Mm-hmm. You have to be. And if you stick it out for all four years, you're an even bigger dude. Like, you know, and that was one of the reasons. So when, when North Central asked me to coach, the reason why, one of the reasons I was so hesitant, I'm like, oh, man, like, I want to, but how many people can legitimately say, I played NCAA football for four years? Right. Not many. And that's one of the reasons why I'm like, hmm. Not a lot. Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. You said a couple of things. I wrote it down. One, Coach Christie hasn't responded to me to be on the podcast. He wants to, and I sent him a message, and he hasn't yeah. said to it. Um, I even texted him, and he doesn't respond. I'm like, go oh, you. Maybe because I coached at Lombard East for a year. I don't know. Maybe that's. I'll have to. I'll shoot him a text. No, I mean, hey. it's not a big deal. But like, it was just no. funny. We were. We talked about being on there, and then, like, when I had an op- a lot of time, I sent him a message, and he, and he didn't respond. And I'm like, oh, is it because he figured out I was at Lombardi's for a year? I kept that a secret. <laughs> Even though I love Lombardi's, I'd go back eventually. Yeah. But Coach um, Cherry. I love Coach Cherry, man. He's my dude. Oh. Coach Cherry was the defensive coordinator for when I was at Lombard North when I played there. He was oh, our defensive was, coordinator. He, was fun. he is brilliant. So if you – so you've probably been to Glenbardis's field, probably. Yeah. So you know that parking lot, like you walk down that thing to the football field. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I was working in Elmhurst and had to drive over to Lombardi's for practice. And so I they got to school at 225, and I don't get out till 3. Right. But they go through a bunch of stuff. They get there like 315. Yeah. I always knew it was a bad defensive practice because I would get out of the car in the parking lot, put my coaching shoes on, and I could hear yelling from the field. And as I'm walking, I'm like, oh, that's Coach Cherry. It must not be a good defense. So I, yeah. the first time that ever happened, after practice, we're all walking back up, and I was like, Coach Cherry, I just want you to know, I always know the tone of practice for defense when I get here. He goes, what do you mean? I was like, I can hear you in the parking lot. He goes, you can. He goes, I don't know if that's good or bad. So uh, he's a dude that, like, I respect him so much. But he scared the ever-loving piss out of me my senior year. We were playing Naperville North, and it was halftime. And he was going over some halftime adjustments. And um, our our will linebacker, our starting will linebacker, kind of, like, gave it uh, – not, like – it wasn't like he was giving an excuse, but he was giving like, hey, this is what I saw and this is why I did that. And Cherry was so furious at the kid that he broke his clipboard over his knee and threw it on the ground. And I was like, oh, he's serious. <laughs> he is not happy. But he, uh, yeah, he's, I, I love Coach Cherry. He's such a good dude. And he had like open heart surgery before I got yeah. there. And he was like, so when he was, after the yelling, he, we went inside and sat down and he goes, do I really yell that loud? Maybe that's not good for my, you know, heart surgery. I had. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then he's like, I'm gonna go to golf. Me. He's like, I'm gonna go golf for an hour or two. I'm like, well, that that's not good either. <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez, man. At least the way I golf, I'm pretty sure he's a good golfer, though. Oh, he did all the time, and he retired last year. Okay. But even before that, I remember in the summer stuff, they always go golf. Oh God! Yeah, dude. There's a ton of coaches that golf together. Him and Walt, they would all golf. Him and Walters, and they always said, "Oh yeah, you might be able to. He'll come sometime." But I hear where he goes. I'm like, "Nope, that's not coming out of my 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 wallet. I don't think I could go there." Right. Yeah, they, they they play some courses, man. So my my old head coach is a guy named Dale Evans, and and Dale's a great dude. Absolutely love him, and uh, he. Uh, I guess they were, they have like a coaches league that it's all retired high school football coaches or current high school football coaches and they go and they play golf and that's what they do. And it's like, that's pretty sweet. Like that's not a bad setup at all. See golf is the hardest thing I've ever tried to do in my life. And it's the most frustrating thing I've ever tried to do in my life. Yes. Golf. And I would love to do it. I would love to do it every other day, every third day, but it wears me out. But I would love to do it all the time. But it's so expensive. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't justify paying that much money. Like at Eastern, there was a golf course there. To golf in the summer, the membership was 50 bucks. And then when you went to golf, it was only like eight or 10 bucks. Nice. That's how cheap it was. I'm like, that's my price. Oh, then you, sure. come up, you come up to the Burbs and it's like, oh, you want to pay $10,000 a year? And I was like, oh, no, I do not. Yeah. I like to eat and have electricity. And. <laughs> Yeah, it's expensive, man. It's not. I, I like to have a car. I say, you know, I, I'm a I'm a pretty big outdoorsman. I love hunting, and hunting's expensive too. When you when it when it when you get down to it, man, it's it's addictive, and it's it, you're looking at the next thing. All right, you know, what else can I add? What else can I add? What else can I add? It gets expensive. Yeah, my dad hunted. A, my dad was a hunter when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, but back then it was cheaper though. That was the '90s. That, 
Yeah. Um, I was I, I got an I got an ad. It was seven hundred and forty nine bucks for like Sitka hunting gear. I'm like, why? <laughs> but then you start to think about it after I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I could split that up into payments. Right. <laughs> Finance hunting clothes. Or that stimulus check that comes in. Oh, man, I could get some hunting gear. Maybe people don't want to hear that, though. That's not what it's for. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is hunting. I, I can go on. I can go on about that, too, man. I, like hunting, music, offensive line play, trucks, those things. I'll talk. <laughs> I'll talk your ear off, man. That's uh, um, one thing I was thinking about. You were talking about biomechanics and all that. My friend and I told you I coached at Westville. Mm-hmm. He loves following Tony Holler at Plainfield North. The yeah. the cat stuff, and then the coach Dixon, the sprint base training. Yep. So my friends dove deep into that. He's all about it. Um, I had Coach Dixon on a couple weeks ago. We kind of dabbled in it, and I'm looking at his course. So it's funny you were talking about that because now I'm starting to try to research sprint base stuff. Right. And I'm going to do a podcast with my two friends. We do a live show every Sunday for sports. My nice. one friend is a dietitian at the VA in Carbondale. Okay. And then the one friend who does it, we're going to do a podcast where he's going to bring in the nutrition side of it. And my friend's going to bring the sports performance base. Nice. So it's funny. I was, I'm trying to research that stuff because we we've been talking about O-line at Alabama. Mm-hmm. And if you look at their numbers, they've gotten stronger as the season has progressed. Right. Because of that sprint-based stuff, because of the biomechanics, because of this. Oh, definitely. So I think that's something that everybody needs to dive deep into. And I'm trying. There's just so much. And when you look at Alabama, Indiana does it. Ohio State does it. That's why they're so fast. And that's yeah, why they're so powerful. Right. Well, I mean, the biggest thing is, and you know, when you look at training from, whether it's training offensive line or training whatever position, but like the way I look at everything, our trainings, I don't rep kids for more than five seconds. Mm-hmm. I don't. Because the average play is what four and a half seconds. So why why am I gonna you know why why am I gonna make a kid do a do a drill that takes forty five seconds? I just don't understand that. And then the other thing that I don't understand is is coaches that put all of their stock in the forty yard dash for an offensive lineman. Don't understand it. Like when when we came up with the idea for our showcase, we're like, all right, what drills are we going to do? And of course the 40 was brought up and I said, no, we're not doing a 40. And everybody agreed immediately. They're like, no, we're not doing a 40. So we're doing a 10, 20 split as 10 yards shows you how quickly they get up to speed and 20 yards will show you by the time they're topped out. That's all we need. All right. And, and, you know, I just don't understand. Like so many coaches like, well, what's his 40 time? He's an offensive lineman. Why do you need his 40 time? It, it, even, even a tackle. Like a tackle's running out to the corner. That ain't 40 yards. It's like 10, 12 tops. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, that, that makes more sense to do the 10, 20 when he's going to go block somebody on a screen because it right. shows how quickly he can get there. For some reason, he hasn't touched anybody. Shows how the max out of like right. – that's, that's where that sports performance stuff comes. My friend told me – because he was a head coach at a high school, and I went and watched them, and this was years ago, so he didn't know any of this. He goes, if you come watch my track practices now, you would think we're lazy. I said, why? He goes, well, like, for example, my sprinters. 
we sprint for a while and we sit for five or 10 minutes. They will just sit there. And I said, mm-hmm. why? And goes, the recovery is so big. Alabama, they sprint on Wednesdays. They do their hard sprints, all that on Wednesday. And they don't do anything sprint-wise again until Saturday. Yeah. And that's why they're so fast. Time to recover. Yeah. And like the days of gassers are over, the days of like the coach Dixon, he said they don't wear the only day they wear full pads is Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. They're in helmets the rest of the time. And he, he calls it caging them in. Like, right. yeah, they, they teach them technique and all that. He said, Wednesday, we don't do team very long. Once I see what I want to see from offense, we're done. As soon as we see what we see from defense, we're done. We cage them in. Then Friday, they want to go hit somebody else. Right. And I was kind of shocked by that. I was like, at Lombard East, we were helmets and shoulder pads and shorts on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. That was just for safety. Like, we just wanted it for safety. Right. Full pads Wednesday. And that's when we hit a lot. Thursday mm-hmm. was the same thing. And then Friday, we go out and play. And we were pretty fresh that way. Right. The full days of full-on hitting Tuesday, full-on hitting Wednesday doesn't happen. Shouldn't happen as much anymore. Yeah. We're kind of in the same boat. Like, Mondays are install day. Tuesday, like, we're doing individual. And we're, you know, we're focused. But it's, like, we're really looking for specific things. Wednesday, we go. Thursday, clean it up. Friday, it's go time. Yeah, but. it's... It's not the same as Monday, you kind of have helmet shoulder pads. Tuesday, you hit. Wednesday, you hit. Thursday, you kind of thud, and then you play. It's like when we all played, that's what yeah. it was. And we had, we had uh, our pregame on Thursday. <laughs> I'll never forget this. So they gave us, our, gave us our jerseys, gave us our game pants, and we wore jerseys and game pants with no pads and our helmets. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was an experience. They wouldn't let us wear shorts. We had to wear our game pants. We would just wear our – when I was in high school, we'd wear our game jerseys on Thursday. Yeah. And then that was hot in the summers or beginning. Because oh. then you have to wear it to school. And like, we just sweated on it on Thursday. Right. You want to wear it now? No, that sports performance stuff I love, I'm interested in. because Especially yeah. the weightlifting. It's not how much can you bench now, how much can you do this. And it's based on each kid talking to Coach Dixon. He was like, so let's say you you planned on having these specific kids do front squats. But going into it, you could just tell his body is not reacting well to doing those front squats. Okay, what can else can he go do? Like you find a different lift to go do what their body's doing. Yeah. Force them to do a lift. So then I said, well, do you think that's because some coaches don't want to do that work? They'd rather just put them in this group and say, all of you are doing front squats. And then this group, all of you are doing deadlift. And he goes, a part of it, you have to literally walk around and say, okay, that's not working for you. Go do um, back squats or go do the machine or go do this so your body can react. Right. Or you, or you know what? Today's just not a squat day. Just, just don't do it. We're going to go do bench instead. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, and people, like you said, people are getting away from, you know, from the maxes, and it's about bar speed and bar path. What's the bar speed? Yeah. He's at this weight. What's the bar speed? And how much power are you generating? That's all we care about. We don't care about you benching 500 pounds. We don't care. Right. Well, Coach, I would hate to cut it off now. (laughs) But I had you on for a while. You got a family. Yeah, and I do have another podcast here in about twenty minutes. Yeah, so that, please, that, 
I get please it. Don't, please don't think bad of me. I didn't no, schedule no, no. it very well. Totally understand. Well, my uh, my lovely wife just she's been a rock star all night. I was like, oh my god, I have a podcast. Like, gotta go upstairs, and she just walked past with our crying baby boy. So he's getting ready to go to bed. So I totally get it. Believe me. Yeah, we'll get you back on and go longer. But I was like, I did not schedule this very well. It's all good, man. No worries. Because in my head, you know, when you're in your head or you write it down, you're like, this will work. Yeah. And then the time comes and you're like, this doesn't work. This, it's just Stevie yeah. with it. <laughs> I've been there, man. Believe me. Yeah. Well, I we, like I said, we could definitely, uh, oh boy, he's, he's not <laughs> happy. Um, yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I believe it. I, I totally get it. And we can, uh, you know, we can jump back on and talk. We can talk a line play. We can talk training sessions, whatever you want to talk about. Oh, for sure. And then maybe one day get the whole staff on. Well, you never know. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'll be the facilitator to make sure it's all organized. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I appreciate yeah, no you. Thank you for having me on. Yep. Thank you so much. I'll see everybody next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.